So welcome again to the series that we're calling I Quit. Now, there are all things that uh, we need to quit in 2021. Now, last week we talked about I quit making excuses. And the primary purpose of that was excusing the things that God was asking of us to do. And the assignment that we left with was, are you going to be able to take some time to really walk through and listen to what God wants for you or what he wants to do through you and then to stop making excuses? And that was kind of last week's. Uh, This week, uh, we get to talk about one of my favorites and one of yours, which is we need to quit, quit complaining, quit complaining. Now, how many of you know someone who seems to complain all of the time, all the time. Now, uh, go ahead and put it in that chat right now. Now, again, don't put the person's name, you know, and so whether you're at Otis or Freeman uh, or uh, here at Barker, go ahead and and raise your hands. If you know someone that complains all the time, keep the hands up, keep the hands up, okay? Keep them up. Now, is that person you? Keep your hands up, keep your hands up, you know, as we continue to move, move on. Now, you might not admit you know, that you're the one who says that you complain all the time, but let's just be honest for just a second. All of us have a temptation, and if 2020 ever proved anything, the temptation to complain on a regular basis. And what are the things, you know, that you are tempted to complain about? In fact, if you're, again, if you're online, put it in the chat. What are things that you are tempted to complain about? If you cannot think immediately what that thing is, I guarantee you the person next to you can answer it in 0.5 seconds. Okay? It will not take long for people around you to say, this is what you complain about all the time. I know that I am tempted to complain often when things don't go my way. Uh, when people do stupid stuff. Okay, it just drives me crazy, especially Christian people. I just want to be honest, throwing it out there. Uh, I complain about my sports teams, you know, all the time. Seahawks, I've been complaining about you, you know, for a, for the last week. It's been painful, uh, except for the Mariners, just because they've just been bad for so long. I don't complain about it much at all. Now, this is where you might be tempted to say, and see if this is not you. I'm not really a complainer, Dan. I'm just expressing my opinion. Or I'm expressing the truth. I'm just explaining the truth. Now, we do need to speak the truth. And we do need to confront other people. But if you speak the truth, and if you confront other people for the purpose of helping them out of their love for God and for that person, that's awesome and that is right. If you do it for any other reason, it's not godly and it's not right. In fact, we need to back up for just a second. What does it mean to complain? Biblically, this is the definition. To complain means to slander, to accuse, to find fault with a negative and possibly hostile intent, verbally or otherwise. So that would make a complainer one who is discontent with his or her lot in life. It is actually the same English word that we use oftentimes for grumbler. Someone who grumbles on a regular basis. Think Eeyore, if you know anything about Winnie the Pooh. Okay, That would be a constant complainer and a grumbler. Now, since we're so good, especially as Americans at complaining, how did we get that way? How did we arrive at how easy it is for us to just to freely complain about all the things that are going on in our lives? Let me give you just a couple of those reasons. First, we complain based on what we feel we deserve or what we are entitled to. And when what we feel we deserve or what we're entitled to doesn't happen, our natural response is to complain. 
on a regular basis. Now, here's what's interesting. Sociologists have done a little bit of a survey you know, in America recently, and they've actually discovered that the more blessed that someone is in America today, the more often than it is that not, that they actually become critical and complain over time. And here's how it goes. For example, it starts with our kids when they are young. If we have child-centered parenting or child-centered families, we then conform our schedules, our priorities, and our lives about the wants and to the needs of that said child. And what happens? Well, we and those children grow up to be grown-ups, and we think that we are supposed to get what we want because the world has been revolving around us for up to 18 years or longer, and then we expect others, because that's all we've experienced, to conform to what we think or what we think we need, and then when we don't get what we need or they don't agree with us like our mom and dad always did, then what do we do? We complain. And we have a generation, and every generation after that, that continues to complain. And so if you're a follower of Jesus... Let's get back to God. God, why? And this is what we do. We get eventually to him. Why isn't my life the way I think it should be? And there we start complaining even to God. That would be the first reason. We, we think we deserve what we're entitled to. Second reason, we complain because we compare what others have or what they have received. So we complain because uh, let me uh, let you a little insight. Jay's going to talk a lot, week, a lot next week you know, about this idea of I quit comparing but what's fascinating about this idea of comparing is here's the common phrase that begins the complaint. It's not fair. Right? Ever heard that in your household? Ever said it to anybody else? It's just not fair. Whether it be siblings, children, employees, students, you know, one another. In fact, Jesus tells this story you know, about how a, a, a person who owes a vineyard goes out and he gets workers and he says, I'm going to pay you for a day's wage. Then he goes back out again, sees more workers at nine, brings them in. But then he sees more workers at noon and three, and then at five o'clock, then at six o'clock, he settles the, the accounting for the day, and he starts with a person who only worked one hour, and he gives them a full day's wage. Guess what the person who worked all day thought? It's not fair. And Jesus reminds them, like, wait, when did you get to determine what I do with my resources, and he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, about who he can allow in and at what time. Wait a minute, I've been faithful all these years, and now you're doing this, God? That's not fair. We think we deserve it. We think we are entitled to it. We compare what others have or they've received. In fact, one of um, our things in America today, you've heard this phrase, first world problems, right? First world problems. Now, we've had uh, people lose their power this week. And uh, there are some of you here and even online who still don't have power. If you are watching this and you do not have power and you need help, please let us know. You know, because we know that maybe many, many days, you know, for some, depending on what part you live, we want to come alongside and help you. But it was fascinating because my friend Jeremy, uh, who's on staff here, he saw, you know, on the video, uh, actually threw out that question, now that you don't have power, how is that affecting your life? So Luke wrote this, my coffee maker isn't functioning, so I had to drink out of a paper cup from a coffee stand. <laughs> Terrible, first world problems. Angie wrote, how am I supposed to get my perfectly cooked corn dogs without my air fryer? <laughs> Real problems. Jessica wrote, I couldn't curl my hair, right? All of you bald people said amen. Uh, <laughs> Jan wrote, my washer and dryer stopped. 
mid-cycle. Life is hard. Brad wrote, my garage door wouldn't open automatically or immediately. Some people got locked in their house. They didn't know how to open up the garage without it open up that way. Uh, Russell wrote, I had to use the bathroom with the flashlight, you know, because the, the power went out. But let me just remind you, first world problem people, and I am in that camp as well, 13% of the world do not have access to electricity today, which is 940 million people. And yet we complain when these necessities go down for a few moments, few hours, or even a few days. We also complain because others complained or were so critical to or about us. This one gets a little bit more to some of the heart of it. Some of you grew up in very intense households, and the expectation was you had to be perfect and you couldn't be perfect, so you never measured up. You were constantly criticized, and you were constantly complained about because you could never do what's being asked or expected, and then you find yourself actually doing the very thing that you despised growing up. You become the person you never wanted to be. Now, I need you to understand, once again, if you're a follower of Jesus, that constant complaining reveals a lack of focus or gratitude toward God. That's what it means. Uh, Someone actually once said that complainers have spiritual bad breath. And if you got the mask on, you're going to be smelling that pretty good. See, God's people, the nation of Israelites, they complained when they were in Egypt in slavery, and then they complained when they were not in Egypt anymore. And they've been led out of this promised land, and, and, and they're starting to get hungry, right? They're in the middle of the desert. Now, when you get hungry, how many of you get hangry? Okay, you know what I'm talking about? A little hangry. Okay, when we get hangry, we get a little less patient. We tend to complain a little bit more. So let's put ourselves in the Israelite shoes in Exodus chapter 16. There, too, the whole assembly of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. You ever get a little more exaggerating when you're hangry? You know, I'm starving. You're not starving. It's been two hours since you ate. You're going to be fine. I'm starving. Okay. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. Do we have our focus and our gratitude on God? They obviously did not in the midst of it. See, we can always find something or someone to complain about. It really just depends on what you're focused on. It's easy to find something that you can complain about. In fact, if you want to be bitter, critical, negative, you don't have to look far to find things to be bitter, critical, or negative about. Let me give you a technical term for this. The term is confirmation bias. Okay? Confirmation bias is a preconceived idea against something where you will search out or interpret new information based on your preconceived bias. So if you are critical and want to find something wrong, guess what? Based on your preconceived bias, you will actually find that thing that's wrong. It's not hard. Let me give you an example. Young woman gets hurt by a, a young man, and there's a temptation. What does she decide? All men are jerks. As long as she holds that opinion, every time that she meets a man, guess what? She's going to find relatively easily reasons to pick men apart and goes through life with a conclusion that there are, not, oh, there are no good men out there anywhere because she's already made up her mind and interprets information based on that idea. See the confirmation bias? That's what happens in life on a regular basis. Politically, can you see this as well? Right? 
if you already believe that Biden is of the devil, it's fascinating how everything you see and read confirms that very belief. If you believe that Trump is the devil, it's fascinating that everything you see or believe confirms that belief. As long as you already have the confirmation bias there, it's fascinating what you're able to focus on, how you're able to see that very clearly. Uh, Let me give you another more practical example that I experience on a regular basis. Two people come into services. One person comes in a little hangry, uh, looking to complain a little bit. So they walk in and they see these greeters as not as friendly as they obviously should be. The coffee line is a line. It's long and it's taking time. The kids area is not as quickly as it should be handled. There's a better way to do it. The worship music doesn't have enough hymns. It's too loud. The sermon isn't deep enough and it didn't hit me. And as I left the parking lot, it was too crowded. Same day, somebody else walks in and is grateful for those who are volunteering their time to greet, who are there to serve coffee in that capacity, to serve and to check in their kids. They, they come expectant to connect to God and worship him really hits home that week particularly. There's one thing that God speaks to them about the sermon, and they walk out challenged and encouraged to be more like Jesus. Same thing. What was their focus and what was their perspective? What you focus on is actually what you're going to see on a regular basis. And so do you have a spirit of gratitude? See, as a pastor, I don't know what it is, but I think that's part of my job description. I get to hear complaints. Just about life. I get to hear complaints about you, person sitting next to you. You know, I get to hear complaints all the time, and so do you. You get a chance to hear complaints. The question is, what are you focused on? Secondly, you need to understand this. Complaining carries significant consequences. Significant consequences. See, the nation of Israel could not get they could not get past this idea that Egypt was better than where they were going. They couldn't get past it. They continued to grumble. They continued to complain over and over and over, and it had incredible consequences. In Numbers chapter 14, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things that I heard you say. You will all drop dead in this wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter, ever enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb and Joshua. So anybody of the age of 20 and older... They never had a chance to go into the promised land. Talk about a consequence that takes place if we always have a heart to complain. God hears those things. And there's a, there's a consequence to that that we want to all avoid. Here are some other consequences that I know to be true. If you find yourself complaining on a regular basis, here's what you'll find. Yourself miserable most of the time. You will not find yourself exhibiting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, or any other marks of the fruit of the Spirit in your life because complaints and those things don't go hand in hand. You'll also find yourself with very few uh, healthy and life-giving relationships. You know like attracts like. And so you'll find yourself surrounded by other people who complain a lot. In fact, uh, you might have heard this story. There's a story you know, of a realtor who visited this incredibly beautiful island. And as her clients were walking up, they saw one of the locals there, and, and uh, they wanted to inquire about the people who lived there. 
And so they asked the local, they said, you know, hey, hey, what are the people like here? And the local looked back at them and says, well, what were the people like back where you lived? Oh, man, they were rotten, they were mean, they were unhappy, they were jerks. Everywhere we looked, people were not very kind and friendly. And he looked at them and he says, you'll probably find the same thing here. And they're like, oh, thank you for telling us. We're never going to buy here. Two weeks later, the realtor brought a different couple. The couple looked and they found this same guy who was sitting in the same place. And they asked him the same question. Hey, what are the people like here? And he asked them, what, what were the people like where you live? And they said, oh, they're, they were their lifelong relationships. They're friends. They're, they're, they're people who nobody's perfect, but they love each other and they're connected to one another. And he goes, you know what's funny is you'll probably find the same thing here. And so they're like, thanks for that. And they bought a house there. It's fascinating. What we are looking for is what we will find. What are we focused on when it comes to healthy and life-giving relationships? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Lastly, you're going to find yourself locked out from the life that God has for you. If you become a person who complains on a regular basis, you're going to miss what is right before us because all you can see is things that are not going well. This last year, I cannot tell you how many times we pleaded with people in 2020, don't just focus on the negative. Turn off the news. Turn off some of those things because it's only going to cause you to complain and get wrapped up. God is doing an amazing work in the lives of people if we would just focus in and see the reality of what's taking place around so let me just be honest. If you want to be divisive, if you want to hurt the heart of God, if you want to drive other people away, if you want to hurt yourself, do what most people do. And that is continue to complain, rationalize it, excuse it away. Say everybody does it. It's not that big a deal. Or if you want to have a life that truly honors God in 2021 in a very significant way, decide on this day to quit complaining. Philippians 2 verse 14 says these words, do everything without complaining or arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a full and crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life that on the day of Christ's return, I'll be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. How do I do that? How do I stop complaining? Here's how. Number one, recognize that it is God who is the center of the story, not you and not me. America says it's all about you. God says it's all about him, and you'll actually find your fulfillment best fulfilled when you don't focus on you and we focus on him. God's the main character in this story that we call life. He does not exist to serve us. God is not on the throne going, oh, they're upset again. Let me just try to make them happy. No, 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 that's not what he does. He goes, we exist to serve him. He is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. So let me get very practical and very real. When you start having and I start having the spirit of complaining, realize that the most important thing in our life has been taken care of by Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than our sin that separates us from God and hurts humanity and the life that we're going to have in this life and the life to come because of his death on the cross and he raised from the dead. When you realize that he has literally given us life and life eternally, what do we have to complain about? No matter how bad this world gets, no matter how bad your life gets, there's always a perspective to say someday it's going to be better. There's a different way to perceive and to walk through life without existing to complain. 
It's fascinating because the guy who wrote most of the New Testament and the words that we read, even from Philippians, wrote it from jail. He could have complained all the time about what he was going through. Instead, he had his heart and his mind focused on what Christ had already done and what his mission was here for, which again helps us to find and focus on reasons to be grateful and thankful. Somebody said uh, this last week, what if you woke up today and you only had today what you thanked God for yesterday? What if you woke up today and only had today what you thanked God for yesterday? How would that change? See, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says this, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. People have always said, what's God's will for me? There it is. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks in all circumstances. Now, I can tell you just honestly, if those of you who've been around for a little while, maybe online, you've not had a chance to experience this, but uh, there's some people on our staff who they embody this. I'm not one of those people. This is an area I need to keep working on. Let me just be honest with you. You know, I got plenty of reasons to complain, and I find those reasons, and I'm trying to work on this, and God's really convicted me even this week. But I just think of guys like Adam Heeb, who was on our stage. It is hard to find a more positive person who has less to complain about, or he's just fooling me like no other. I'll tell you what. You know, I think of a guy on our staff named Scott Sparley, you know, who has gone through hell and back again over the last several years and still remains focused on what Jesus has done and continues. And Brad Pesnell and Steve Allen, and the list goes on and on as you just see people modeling this, right? You know, if, if you get a chance to talk to Steve and what he's been through, you know, this last year with some of his heart stuff and, you know, mild stroke and he can't see in some of his eyes and yet he still is not primarily focused on that. Are there days of complaint? Are there days of tough stuff? Yes, but that's not what he's focused on. He's focused on the mission of Jesus and focused on what Jesus has done for him as well, which is why Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that they may benefit those who listen. You know one of the secrets to marriage? See, now you're listening. <laughs> In marriage counseling specifically. Every time you have marriage counseling, here, here's what goes 100% of the time. Walk in, it's always quiet, somber. People are upset. Sit down. What's going on? And for the next hour, no matter how long, there is a litany of complaints and of accusations against the other person. And you just kind of sit there, and you listen, you let them go, you try to referee a little bit, and you let them go. But at some point in there, you need to stop, and you just say, you know what, what is one thing that you do appreciate about the other person? Now list two, now list three, now list ten, now list a hundred. And at first, it's always, I got nothing. And I'm like, come on, there's a reason you got married in the first place. What are some of those things? And it's fascinating what begins to happen if both parties are willing to stop complaining about the other and only focusing on their confirmation bias, see you did it again, and begin to focus on, wait a minute, there are things that you are doing, that you are living, that I see God doing in you that I appreciate greatly about you. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't take long, you start seeing that person differently. See, when I focus on me in life, I complain. 
When I focus on God, I am grateful. See, I need to also encourage you to choose to surround your inner circle with God-centered people. We are supposed to be in the world. We're supposed to love and connect with everybody. We're not supposed to isolate. We're not supposed to hide. We're not supposed to cower. But your close inner circle, Jesus had 12 and he even had three. He engaged with the world. He didn't separate from the world. He reached the world. But who are the three on your inner circle who are God-centered people? Make sure they're not complainers because it will drag you down very, very quickly and make sure you're not one of those people as well. Then lastly, choose to find someone to help keep you accountable to this decision. That you say, I'm gonna quit. Today, I'm making the decision. I quit, quit, quit complaining. I'm gonna quit. So we're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna do that. And so what step is God calling you to take so that you too can quit complaining? And so I got another idea, you know, uh, from Dave Christensen this week, one of the guys on staff. And so we're going to give it a try. You know, this may be an epic awesomeness or it's going to be a complete failure. And if it's awesome, you're welcome. If it's a failure, it's Dave's fault. You know, so just want to throw that out there. So here's what I do. Um, on my wrist is a little bit of a rubber band. Okay. So uh, one of the things in sports, you know, uh, growing up is that uh, we would, we would little whack ourselves a little bit when we did something that we weren't supposed to do. Okay, uh, sometimes parents do this to kids, you know, hey, if you find yourself swearing or something like that, just do this, just a little subtle reminder. So as you leave, everybody's going to get one of these rubber bands. And here's my challenge for you for the next week. Every time you complain, do this, just a little one. Now, I'm not giving you permission to go to your neighbor and to pull as hard as you can and see what kind of mark you can leave. And again, those of you who are watching online, you can do this as well. You can just find a rubber band. You're going to get these as you leave the auditorium. Find one in there. But again, just for one week, I'm going to wear this for one week. And every time, and this is what you got to do, you find yourself complaining. Hold Somebody else is holding you accountable. You say, hey, you know that's a complaint in there that you kind of do this. And you turn it into something positive, something God-centered and God-focused. Watch to see how quickly you will change, or you'll realize how incredibly painful your arm is because you are such a complainer, you know, that you're going to find in the next, but watch it, how it dissipates. So again, this is going to be really awesome, just a practical takeaway, or it's going to be really terrible. But either way, it's going to be helpful. There's no better way, again, to help you on the way of saying and the commitment of saying, I quit complaining, than to receive Jesus Christ and to continue to focus on what has he done for me. So when the lights go out, when COVID hits, when the political party is, is, is going crazy, when all things that you want to complain about, you can still remain focused on the gratefulness of what God has done for you. And you'll watch as the difference it makes in your life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity we have just to look into your word and to make a declarative decision to declare openly, I quit. So Father, I, I want to quit making excuses when you're leading and guiding, and I want to quit complaining, and I know there are people online, and there are people in Otis, and people here who want to do the same. So Father, I pray that we would just take this challenge seriously so that we can best represent you and your people with your perspective as we deal with the realities of the pain and the dilemmas that we find ourselves in. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.